Well, good morning, Life Church. My name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm so excited this morning to be able to share with you a message from our series on prayer. And this morning, uh, if I were to title my message, I would title it Abide. And we're going to be talking this morning about praying without ceasing. This has been a great series. I hope you've enjoyed it so far. Uh, if you didn't get a chance, you want to go back to last week and hear Pastor Mike's sermon on praying in the Spirit. It was just such a good grace-based message, such a good encouragement to us, and a reminder of the gift of tongues. And so uh, I really encourage you to do that. Um, but today we are going to be talking about praying without ceasing. And if you know your Bibles, you're going to know where we're going. We're, what we're going to do this morning is we're going to read uh, two different versions of the passage in 1 Thessalonians. So if you have your Bible, go to 1 Thessalonians 5, um, and we're going to go to verse 16 through 18. And we're going to read that out here, and then we're going to pray. And then I'm really excited to talk to you about praying without ceasing. Okay, 1 Thessalonians, this is what it says in the New King James Version. It says this, It says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Okay, now, in the New Living Translation, it says it this way, Always be joyful, never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word this morning, God. We're grateful that your word is living and active, Lord Jesus. God, that your word is our foundation that we can build on. God, and we trust you this morning, Lord God, that you will speak through your word. Father, I pray that you'd help me to get out of your way so that you can do what you want to do in each person's life, Lord God. I pray that you would translate through the airwaves, Lord God, into each home, Lord God. And we pray that we'd be changed by you today, that not one person would be the same. We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can say amen at home. Amen. Um, Well, I have to be honest. Growing up, I was never very good at endurance events. I remember in high school, my dad uh, signed me up for the track team for cross country, and he did it because I was a starting point guard on the uh, basketball team. He was also my basketball coach. And so noticing that I was a little winded during the games, he, I think he, he, he threw me onto that team, and it was not my forte. I mean, running was just not my thing. Uh, I, I remember getting into a few meets, and I didn't, I didn't do overall very, very well. If you want to know about some people that have done well with endurance, um, my son got a book over uh, the Christmas holidays, the Guinness Book of World Records. And so I looked up some records of people that have endured well in their various disciplines. And so the first one I have here is uh, uh, Camille Heron on October 2019 ran 270 kilometers in 24 hours. How about this one? Mark Beaumont cycled around the world, around the world, in 78 days, 14 hours, and 40 minutes. That's impressive. What about this one? Jenny Doan hula hooped for 100 hours between November 19th and November 23rd of 2019. That's a pretty good one. And this one's another one of those kind of random ones. The longest cooking marathon. If you know me, you know I love food. So this one had to, we had to put this one in here. Longest cooking marathon. In September 2019, Chef Lata Tandon cooked a range of Indian dishes for 87 hours and 45 minutes. 
Now, I mean, all of those records are impressive in themselves. I mean, honestly, in each one of their unique disciplines, uh, they all have, they all, they're all very impressive. They, they've set these incredible records. But guess what? They all have one thing in common. Do you know what that is? They all have an ending. <laughs> Nobody can do these things forever. So as we go back to our text today, we find that Paul is encouraging the Thessalonians with this. He's saying, I want you to pray without ceasing. And of course, the big question is, is that even possible? Can we actually pray without ceasing? Now, as we approach this passage today, I want you to realize and recognize that there are a number of lenses through which we can view the Bible. Two of the big ones are this. We can view the Bible through law and through grace. Now, if you view the law through gra- the, the Bible through law, uh, then you're going you're gonna to see the Bible as a list of rules and regulations that you have to try and live up to. That this is all about, you know, you know sh- just show me what I need to do and I'm going to figure it out. And you know what? Here's the problem. None of us can fully do that. And if you view the Bible through grace, through the lens of grace, then you recognize that it's God who's working in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure. That you, what you see is you see God's working in your life and how He is making uh, a way for you where there is no way. And if we look at this passage through those two lenses, this is what we would see. So it says, pray without ceasing. This is what the law says. It says, you don't pray enough. What does grace say? Grace says, you get to pray more. The law says, you're not spiritually mature enough. Grace says, God is drawing me closer and challenging me to grow. Law says, you pray without ceasing to earn His favor and try to live up to His will. Remember it says at the end of it, it says, this is the will of God. But grace says, you pray without ceasing because it's His will. It's a get to and not a have to. And as we approach this passage, I want you to view this through the lens of grace. This is an exhortation to pray without ceasing. And to unpack that even further, let's look at that actual passage and talk about it for a moment. I want you to notice that the exhortation to pray without ceasing is couched, is surrounded and sandwiched by joy on one side and thankfulness on the other side. So it starts out with joy. It says this. It says, always be joyful. Or in the New King James Version, it says, rejoice always. Always be joyful. Well, how is that even possible to always be joyful? I mean, I don't know about you. Does that that mean that we just need to fake it till we make it? You know, how are you doing today? Well, I'm doing fine. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful today. My car broke down and man, I lost my job and we've got COVID going on and man, I'm just so joyful. I don't think that's what it's talking about. I don't think God's asking us to be inauthentic and fake and just make stuff up. I think what this is, is it's a reminder that wherever we find ourselves, there's the potential for joy. Always be joyful. How about this? Joy is an attitude in that sense. Joy is not something that happens to us, but it's something that we choose. And it's not pretending to be happy. And we know this. How can we find joy in all circumstances? I love this saying. If there's nothing redeeming in where you find yourself, you can always find joy in the Redeemer. 
Church, what if this, what if this, this, this exhortation and this admonition is not that you have to try and be joyful all the time or you're just not going to make it? What if it actually is there's opportunity to find joy in every circumstance? And ultimately, if you can't find joy where you are right now, and I know that we're going through some tough seasons right now. There's some hard things going on in people's lives. And, and in all honesty, sometimes it's very, very hard to find joy. Listen, if you can't find joy in where you are right now, then you can always find joy in Him. The Bible says, in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. You can find joy in Him. And what if this is actually a call to us to come back into relationship with God? Isn't that just so gracious of Him to call us back and to draw us in? If there's nothing redeeming in where you find yourself, you can always find joy in the Redeemer. So if that's the attitude, joy then the action is to pray without ceasing. And this is the action. And then after that, when you find the joy and you pray because you've turned your heart towards Him, maybe you only found your joy in Him, but then you turn your heart back towards Him, then you have gratefulness. And I love how Charles Spurgeon says this, when joy and prayer are married, their firstborn child is gratitude. When joy and prayer are married, their firstborn child is gratitude. Then you have thankfulness. So the pray without ceasing is sandwiched and surrounded by joy and by thankfulness. Now, practically, what does this look like? Praying without ceasing, we obviously would know that would mean it can't be the custom of prayer. Nobody can spend their entire lives on their knees with their heads bowed, closing their eyes and talking out loud. Uh, I run out of words very, very quickly. I don't have enough words to say, quite frankly, and I would probably not last very long if that was the case. But this has to do with communing or communicating with God, and not necessarily out loud. Sound, place, posture, and time are not prerequisites for prayer. So then what is? Well, here's my big idea today, church. This is where I want to camp out, and this is where we're going to launch from. The big idea is this, that praying without ceasing begins with an awareness and an acknowledgement of God's presence. This is the word that I want you to remember when we talk about this idea of praying without ceasing, and it is this word, abide. How do we do that? How do we do that? Uh, We know that God is always with us. We know that He's with us at all times. Matthew 28, verse 20 says, Teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. But how do we do that? We do that with the Spirit of God. We do that by tapping into a little bit of what Pastor Mike was talking about last week. The Holy Spirit, the Helper. John 14, 16 says, And I will pray the Father, and He will give you another Helper, that He may abide with you forever. Do you know that we have the Holy Spirit? That Emmanuel, God with us, is not just a Christmas idea, but it's an everyday idea. That God is with you right now in your home, right where you're at. Do you know that He never leaves you? He never forsakes you? And listen, if you would just turn your mind and you would just shift your mind and be able to realize that and recognize that, that's the foundation for praying without ceasing. And I'm going to give you three points today about how to do that. Number one, abide in the Spirit. 
Psalm 91 verse 1 says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And it's interesting, that word there, to dwell, is the word in the Hebrew, yeshav. And it means to dwell, to remain, to sit, to abide. It also means to marry. In other words, when you are constantly aware of His presence, when you're aware that God is with you always, that He never leaves you, He never forsakes you, when you shift your mind in that direction, when you choose joy, which in this case is Him, His presence, and who He is, that He is our fullness of joy, when you are able to do that, then out of that will flow, the Bible says rivers of living water, Pastor Mike read that last week, rivers of living water will flow to that, but also out of that will flow praying without ceasing. In other words, it's, it's, a, it's a discipline of turning your mind towards Him and recognizing His presence. And it becomes second nature. You're a mechanic and you're changing some tires or you're changing oil, but you're aware that God is with you. You're a teacher and you're teaching a class, but you're aware that God is with you right there. God is always with you no matter what. You're a mom and you're changing some diapers, but you're aware that God is with you. It's an awareness and acknowledgement of His presence. Amen. You can also read John 15, verse 4, and forward from that about abiding in His presence, about abiding in the Father. We dwell there. We start from rest. We start from His presence. We start from grace. We get to pray because it's His will. Not to try and live up to His will, but because it's His will. Number two. We pray in the Spirit. This is what Pastor Mike was talking about last week. Ephesians 6, verse 18. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Why? Because it's a wonderful way to consciously include God in your daily activities. Listen, I, I told you this earlier. I run out of words very, very quickly. Uh, I, I tend to be the quiet guy at the parties. That's just who I am. It's just who God's made me to be. I run out of words. And when I'm praying, I run out of words. But the Bible says that He will give us the the words to speak when we lack them. In Romans 8.28, it says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. This is a great habit throughout your day. You know, one of my favorite places to pray in the Spirit is actually on the golf course. And I don't get to go golfing very often, but I often find myself out there, you know, walking up to the green if it's a beautiful day, and I just, under my breath, just pray into the Spirit. It helps me not to get super uptight and, um, and uh, you know, get, get uh, down on myself with my game because I'm not a very good golfer, but it also allows me to include God in what I'm doing. It's just a really simple way, just a simple gift that God's given us as a way to pray without ceasing. And number three, so number one is abide in the, in the Spirit. Number two is pray in the Spirit. And this is the third one, last one here. Respond to the Spirit. Galatians 5.25 in the New King James Version says, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. I love it how it says it in the NIV. It says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So we, live, we rest in the Spirit. We live in Him. We abide in Him. We pray in the Spirit. He gives us words when we don't know what to pray. And then finally, we respond to the Spirit. This is the action step. This is to step out. Why do we do that? Why do we take steps to respond to the Spirit? This is, again, very practically about putting God first in all things. Him first in all things. It's being aware of His presence. How do we do that? Why do we do that? 
In Galatians 5.16, it tells us that if we walk in the Spirit, we shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So one of the reasons that we do it is to fight temptation to drift from the Lord in His path. book of Matthew references that. Watch and pray that you do not fall into temptation. And in the book of Luke, Jesus says, Be careful, Luke 21, verse 34, or your hearts will be weighed down with the carousing, drunkenness, and anxieties of life. And that day will close on you suddenly like a trap, for it will come on those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen. That idea of always being on the watch, of always praying, keeping your mind set on Him, recognizing His presence, being aware that He is with you, putting Him first in all things. It allows you to escape temptation. The second reason you want to do that is for wisdom. Psalms chapter 111 verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And a good understanding for uh, have all those who do His commandments. His praise endures forever. The Bible talks about the fear of the Lord. And what is that? That's a, a constant awareness of His presence. It's not about being scared of Him. It's about being aware that He is your first priority. He is your first thought. He is your first in everything. That's wisdom that comes with that. It's the beginning of wisdom. So how do you do that? And the answer is you do it. And here's, I love this quote. Um, Martin Lloyd-Jones says this, Always respond to every impulse to pray. The impulse to pray may come when you are reading or when you're battling with a text. I would make an absolute law of this. Always obey such an impulse. Listen, you don't have to ask whether it's right or wrong to pray. If you feel an impulse to pray, then do it. This doesn't need to be spooky or mystical. You know, is that the Holy Spirit or isn't that the Holy Spirit? No, no, If you're getting the impulse to pray, God's will be done, His kingdom come, then you do it. You pray. Never question. You never have to question an impulse to pray. You pray because it's the right thing to do. You pray because you know that that's, that's a good thing to do. The Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. So you don't have to worry about, am I praying in the right time or the wrong time? No, if you get the impulse to pray, you pray. So in conclusion, my big idea is that praying without ceasing begins with an awareness and acknowledgement of God's presence. Are you aware today that God is with you? Are you aware that He's for you? Are you aware that He is working on your behalf right now to help you to will and to do for His good pleasure? God is working in you today. He's working in you, church. Today, He's working in you. And so we need to abide in the Spirit. We need to pray in the Spirit, and we need to walk in the Spirit. And so, Life Church, this week, I want to challenge you and encourage you. Let's put Him first. Let's live a lifestyle of worship in everything that we do. Let's keep our eyes focused on Him. And this is my challenge to you very practically this week. If you feel the nudge to pray, then just do it. Pray. And then we will live a life that is praying without ceasing. Amen.